You're listening to Podcast by Committee, produced by Starting Five Productions. And now, here's Andrew and Max Brill. Thank you, Mason, as always, for the introduction, and welcome back to Podcast by Committee. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Brill. And I'm Max Brill. And Max, there's some goings on. Certainly in the in the NCAA, there's a lot of action, <laughs> and soon to be some action starting as we record this Thursday. There will be the first four going to play tonight so that they are ready for their games over the weekend. And uh, but let's let's talk slightly or a little bit about some NFL stuff and the Giants re-signing Leonard Williams. That's a huge get for them, and or a, a huge keep, I guess you'd say, for them. But they also got Kyle Rudolph. Now, when you think about Kyle Rudolph, and we were just discussing how many passes he catches versus how many he drops. Zero drops the last two years, only one drop the year before that. So a very reliable target for Danny Dimes and Evan Ingram in a walk year. So look for those two guys to make some noise in the NFC East. Yeah, I'm really excited about this sign, mostly because I don't think I could take any more Evan Ingram drops. So the fewer of those that I have to see, the better off it will be for my mental health. This is obviously has nothing to do with how the Giants will play. I think he's an upgrade over Evan Ingram, but for my mental health, this will be a good sign. And also, they're they're talking to Kenny Galladay, so that would be a huge sign. Also, another weapon for Danny Dimes, and that would I think if the offensive line, as young as it is, uh, holds up and continues to get better with the coming back of Saquon Barkley, that offense should be pretty formidable. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping that they end up drafting a wide receiver like Rashad Bateman in the first round, and then you have a really, really good offense. Uh, I mean, obviously not one of the tops in the league, but definitely an offense that can get the job done. And with the defense that they have, I think it would be a really solid team. They could definitely contend for that NFC East. Yeah, and they'd have some weapons. And it looks at this point like the Jets could be a landing spot for Deshaun Watson. But right now, Sam Darnold is their quarterback, and the Jets are talking to Juju Smith-Schuster, trying to get him, uh, Sam Darnold, another weapon. I think that Juju would be a good fit in New York, although I, I think anybody would really be a good fit in New York because they have a pretty bad team. Uh, both New York teams are, are not the best, so any skilled player like Juju would be an upgrade for either squad. But, you know, Sam Darnold has never really had a pass catcher uh, you go back through his few seasons in New York so far, and if you can name a really good weapon for me, I, I'd love to hear it. Le'Veon Bell is the only guy I can think of, and he does play wide receiver on some snaps, but he's a running back. So he hasn't really had that sort of formidable target like Juju could be for that team. The free agent period just began and because the I guess the old league year ended, so the new year league year starts, so you can start signing free agents. And so the Giants have, the Jets are trying to. So, I think if I can just add one more thing, A.J. Green signed with the Cardinals, which now gives them a receiving core of DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, and Larry Fitzgerald should he decide to come back, which is a great offense for Kyler to work in. They already had a great team last year. I think this only improves them, and they only have up to go from here. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. You know, I'm sure a lot more signings um, to come, a lot more free agents out there. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Max, something we have a have our eye on right now and starting tonight. 
Although I guess if you have to get your brackets in, you have to do it by noon tomorrow. I have a couple of mine in already. Need to Venmo the money for those. But uh, the NCAA tournament is back. Last year we lived without it, but it's back. And it's going to be pretty exciting, everything being played in Indiana. And uh, your thoughts on this year's tournament. And we can break it down by region if you'd like. We can start in the West. Just want to get some of your favorites. I guess we can go game by game, however you'd like to do it. Yeah, let's let's go game by game. Well, I mean, obviously, there's no no point really. Gonzaga, Iowa, you can pretty much move those on to the next round. I don't think anybody will have any ifs, ands, or buts about that because Gonzaga has been undoubtedly the best team in the country all year. They came back from a 10-point or 12-point halftime deficit in the West Coast Conference Championship against BYU and went on to win by double digits. So uh, just an incredibly impressive team with a lot of NBA-caliber talent. Uh, they're easily going to win their first-round matchup, and I think probably will come out of this region. The only team that I see giving them any trouble is Iowa, and they wouldn't meet up with Iowa until the Elite Eight. So Iowa is the other team, obviously, that you can just pencil in. Luca Garza, Jordan Bohannon, Joe Wieskamp hopefully is healthy. I mean, they, they've got a really good squad as well and come out of the Big Ten, so I've seen a lot of them this year. So uh, Oklahoma, Missouri. Now, I, I picked Oklahoma in this one. I think that they, they're the better team. Although when you look at the eight nine matchups, you, you know those are those are sort of a, a toss up, I guess in the tournament in general. When you look at the eight nine matchups, yeah, when you look at the eight nine matchups generally, they're about fifty fifty. I'm not exactly sure of the historical record between the two, but I would imagine the win percentage for each seed is about fifty percent. Uh, I, I pick Mizzou in this game. I think that they're going to be able to pull off the. Uh, quote-unquote upset because they are the nine seed. But if you look at how Mizzou has played this season, they, they've just been a better team, in my opinion. They score more. They play really good defense. And neither of these teams is particularly inspiring. I think they're pretty much uh, competing for the privilege of getting knocked off by Gonzaga in the second round. But Missouri's won more games. They have a better offense. And I think that when it comes down to it, that will win them this game. I, th I think that both teams have had a few tough losses. Both teams have quality wins as well. Uh, Oklahoma coming out of the Big 12, which has a, been a solid conference, and this year especially is really good. But I think the SEC was even better. Uh, Missouri faced up against Alabama a couple times, who's arguably a top five team in the country this year. Uh, I, I think that Missouri's wins over Illinois, Alabama, they have a win over Arkansas, win over Tennessee. Tennessee. Like They've just beat better teams, and Oklahoma beat Alabama as well, but their other games aren't quite as impressive. I think Missouri will be able to, to take this one out. And just to answer your question, nine seeds win 50 in the first round, win 51% of the time, eight seeds 49%. So like you said, it's about 50-50. That one's a toss-up. Now you, you move along to Creighton and UCSB, and that's a... a a 5-12 matchup. And the 5-12 matchups in 2019, which was the last time we had this, 12s weren't 3-1. and one. Now, yeah, The 5-12 is where people seem to go to pick their upsets. Right. And uh, the, the 11s do just about as well against the 6s. But uh, 12s only win in the first round 36% of the time over the 5s. But it, it seems like it happens all the time. This one was a tough one because I, 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 I kind of liked UCSB, but I, I picked Creighton. I picked Creighton as well. It's hard to pick against them, even after getting embarrassed by 
uh, Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas in the Big East Championship, which I'm sure we will talk about Georgetown a little bit later. But Creighton's favored by seven for good reason. They're a better team, playing a better conference, and the all-around nature of this team is much better. You wouldn't know it from watching them last weekend. They, I mean, they just got smoked by Georgetown. I think they lost by 25 and were down by 30 at one point. So that's not promising. But Zigorowski's a really, really good guard, scores and can distribute the ball. And that's one of the things that I look for when picking teams that I think could make a run is do they have guards that are upperclassmen that can run the offense and be comfortable in a high-pressure situation? UC Santa Barbara just doesn't have players like that of that caliber that are used to this sort of stage and, and you know have that sort of quality of play. Now, the next one, we have Virginia as a four in Ohio. And nine of the last 12 years, a 13 has upset a four. This was my upset. Yeah, I, I picked Virginia in this one. Um, uh, obviously, the odds are in Virginia's favor. They play in a much better conference. But if you look at some of the games that Virginia has played this year, Gonzaga, they lost by 23. Florida State, they lost by 21. I mean, they haven't shown up in huge games. They beat Georgia Tech twice, but that was earlier in the season before Georgia Tech ended up making the run that they did in their conference tournament and winning it for the first time, the ACC tournament. Virginia has holes, and it's not the same Virginia team that we saw in 2019. Ohio lost by two to Illinois this year, which is a huge, huge, I guess, victory for them because they didn't win the game, but it shows you that they can hang with the big dogs of college basketball. And if they play like they did in that Illinois game against Virginia, they could definitely take this home. Yeah. And then USC against the play in Wichita or Drake. And I took uh, USC in this one. Yeah. I think USC is criminally underrated. Uh, they're a top 15 team by efficiency in Ken Palm, meaning they should probably shake out closer to a four or five seed. They got a six seed. And not only do I think that they're going to win this first round matchup, I could see them making it possibly to the elite eight because I think they're a better team than Kansas. If you look at the numbers, USC and Kansas, USC has just been a better team this year by by the numbers, better offensive efficiency. Kansas plays better defense, but USC's defense is not too shabby. Uh, I have USC going all the way to the Elite Eight in this one. Yeah, USC is uh, 14th in the Ken Palm, and Kansas, the next game we'll talk about, is 22nd. So, But I, I have Kansas winning that game against East Washington. I, I have Kansas winning this game as well. I think that Eastern Washington is probably the one of the weaker 14 seeds in this tournament. And I actually did pick a 14 seed to win. So we'll get there. But uh, yeah, I, I think Kansas probably runs away with this one. And VCU, I went with the 10 over the 7. What, why, over, what over drew you to VCU in this one? I, not sure. I, you know, they, they just give up fewer points a game per game. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, it was one of those ones I just felt like, okay, I'm going to pick VCU. I, I I think they played well in their conference tournament, if I can recall, and I just you know, had to pick somebody, so I picked VCU. Either yeah, one I of them are going to lose to Iowa, so it doesn't matter. I, I agree with you there. I think either one of these teams <laughs> is going to get knocked off by Iowa. I picked Oregon. Oregon lives and dies by the, by the three. So if they're on from long range, they're going to win this game. If they can't hit from long range, it's going to be a long day for the Ducks. So I think that's really what it comes down to is, will Oregon hit more than 35% of their threes? If they can do that, I think they'll win the game. 
Yeah, I think that exactly, and that that's that's a lot of NBA uh, NCAA teams is they. they I hate when they drive to the rim and pass it out for the three instead of taking the the two, but they hit the three with such efficiency. Most of these teams in Oregon is uh, Oregon's one of them, so we'll see how that works. So let's, you know, that's our first round. I don't know if you want to continue on. I have Gonzaga beating Oklahoma, which I, you know, and then I have Ohio actually beating Creighton. I wasn't thrilled with the way Creighton played against Georgetown. I, I know that they have something to prove, but I'm looking for a little bit of a Cinderella in the Sweet 16, and Ohio's it for me. Well, we'll, we'll get to my Cinderella later. I, I have a pretty chalky section of the bracket here. I have Gonzaga against Iowa in the Elite Eight. I know I mentioned USC to the Elite that, Eight earlier. That, that's, I that's the Sweet 16. But I, I really, I mean, these are the best two teams in the region by far. You could make the case for Iowa as a number one this year until pretty much the middle of February. So I think there's a very, very high chance that Gonzaga and Iowa are the ones to face off in the Elite That's Eight. who I have in the Elite Eight. So let's move over to the South. And obviously Baylor and Ohio State advance. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, I think Baylor and Ohio State, yes. But beyond that, there's a lot of question marks here. Villanova will be missing one of their best players this year So in the first round. So a lot of people are picking Winthrop for that upset in the 5-12 matchup. I have Villanova winning, but you know, don't count them out. Anything can happen in March. And if you're missing one of your best players, I mean, that, that's a huge blow. Uh, this 8-9 game, I think, is really tough because North Carolina has been hot over the past month, but Wisconsin has been one of the best teams in the country. They have a lot of tough losses, but they play in the Big Ten. They have one of the hardest strengths of schedule in the country. And if you look at their numbers on Ken Palm, they're 11th overall on Ken Palm and have a nine seed. So I think, first of all, they were criminally underseeded, but that gives them a huge opportunity here for a Cinderella run. And I picked them to not only go past North Carolina, but then beat Baylor and beat Purdue. And here's here's a stat for you. Roy Williams has made 29 NCAA tournaments. He's got 29 first-round wins. Yeah, he's never lost in the first round. I don't think that North Carolina has ever been an eight-seed under Roy Williams, so this is probably his first time uh, being this low down in the bracket. But, you know, we'll see what happens. North Carolina and Wisconsin is not a matchup you're used to seeing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Not at all. And Purdue North Texas, and I went with the Big Ten. Yeah, it's really impossible for me to pick against the Big Ten. I think every single Big Ten team I picked to go through, except for Michigan State because they're playing a playing game. Uh, it's it's just it's impossible to pick against this conference this year. Um, and Purdue was one of the better teams in the conference, so I, I put them through over North Texas. Texas Tech over Utah State. I have Texas Tech over Utah State. I think Texas Tech is one of those teams that could make some trouble. Yeah, Texas Tech is a good team, and I also picked Texas Tech. But you have to keep in mind that one of the things you should look for when you're picking your upsets is who is the best player on the floor going to be. And this is something you can see later in the bracket when we talk about Oklahoma State. We can talk about Cade Cunningham. But Nemes Keta, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Nemes Keta. He's going to be an NBA player. He's their seven-foot center, and he is going to be the best player on the floor when he's on the floor. He averaged a double-double this year, 15 points, 10 rebounds. And Texas Tech is a team that does a lot of damage inside. So if they are not able to do that damage inside because of the presence 
of Utah State's big man, it's going to be a tough game. Now, keep in mind that Texas Tech has Mac McClung this year, who's a, a transfer from Georgetown. And just imagine how great that Georgetown team would be if he was still there. But Texas Tech is a really good squad. They have a lot of good athletes. I think they probably pull this one out. But of all the 11-6 matchups, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Utah State pull this one off. Arkansas, the Razorbacks over Colgate. That's so this is, this is my Cinderella. I, I had a feeling that was going to be your Cinderella pick. Colgate goes out and sp- scores 86 points a game, uh, where Arkansas only scores 82. The, the difference is that Colgate only gives up under just under 69 points a game. So they play pretty good defense, and they score. Yeah, they, they do. I, I think this has the makings of an upset, and maybe I'm getting too cute here, picking a 14 against a 3. But the more research I do about this Colgate team, the more I like them as a Cinderella pick because they shoot, they're like 33rd in the country and three points made per game, three pointers made per game. They're second in the country behind only Gonzaga in points scored per game. And granted, they've never played a team like Arkansas this year. They have not faced any sort of competition like that. But they're 14 and one this season because they had an abbreviated season due to COVID. And they are a team that can shoot. If they get hot from deep, I think it's very hard to beat them. And teams that can kind of score at will like that are the teams that I look for as mid-majors that can make a run. Arkansas is a very, very tough opponent. I'm not counting them out. I mean, obviously, I I picked Colgate, but Arkansas is a top 20 team in the country. No questions asked about it. And their offense and defense are both really, really good. So I think Colgate could pull this upset off. I'm not going to be surprised if Arkansas pulls this out. One cool stat for you is that Colgate is ninth in the NET rankings nationally this year. The only thing that's holding them back is that their strength of schedule has been really bad. And that's what you you touched on a really good point is that the season was was about, they played about half as many games as they normally do. So there's less tape on all these teams. So scouting is going to be a little bit more difficult, especially since the caliber of play since all these teams now the big 10 is the big 10 they beat up on each other the big 12 same deal uh most of these teams didn't play any or very few out of conference games so you didn't see top opponents going up against each other so you you haven't gotten to see a colgate face a team like arkansas so scouting could be a little bit of an issue too so it, this this tournament could all be a, be a, about Halftime adjustments. Next game is Florida, the Gators against Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech's another one of those tough teams. Yeah, I, I'm a Florida man now, so I, I had to pick my team. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, I, I did pick Florida, but not because I live here. Um, I think that they're going to win this game. I don't really have a great reason for it. The, the 7-10 matchups, I kind of think, you know, you're probably losing to the two seed anyway in the next round. So I, I didn't put a ton of thought into it. The one thing I did look at was Ken Palm because I'm a numbers guy. Florida's 36 in uh, in Ken Palm rating, which is higher than uh, Virginia Tech. But again, it, it's you know Virginia Tech's 50, so 14 spot difference doesn't really make a huge difference to me. Uh, they both play in Power Five conferences. I, I, it really could go either way. And the 610 is about 60 40. You know, the the, the six seed winning about 60 percent of the time. So seven, the seven. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Seven, the the seven. seven the seven ten matchup. So it's sixty forty with the seven winning sixty percent of the time, and uh, the the ten winning about forty percent of the time. So it, not exactly a toss up, but 
You got to give them a shot. Ohio State, obviously, advancing. I have them advancing all the way to the Elite Eight. And here was one of my upsets. I had Purdue, even though they probably won't, but that was one of my Elite Eight teams. Yeah, I, I have Wisconsin and Ohio State here, so I think we're similarly minded in our Big Ten bias, just having watched so much Big Ten basketball this year. It's really hard to pick against these teams. Like I said, I have Wisconsin beating Baylor and then taking down Purdue, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin in the Elite Eight, and then I have Ohio State coming out of this region. That's but I do have Colgate. I do have Colgate in the Sweet Sixteen. That's my that's my Cinderella run of the tournament. I have them taking down Arkansas and Texas Tech. Uh, and Colgate was a fourteen seed. Now, Colgate obviously not from a Power Conference, but you know in Power Conferences. Teams seeded ninth or lower have reached the Sweet 16 every year since 2008. So if that were a power conference, I'd say that's your team. But uh, Wisconsin's your nine, and you have them getting to uh, the Sweet 16. So there, you, so there, there is that, that stat again since 2008. Power conferences seeded ninth or lower have reached the Sweet 16 every year since 2008, eight team ranked ninth or lower. So we'll head out to the East where your team, the Wolverines, obviously number one in the bracket. I have them advancing uh, Alabama, I'm assuming, is going to beat Rick Pitino, although Rick Pitino, uh, funny line he had, he said if it was up to, up to the NCAA, they'd probably be an 18 seed and not a 15 seed But uh, because of the way he's been treated. But I have Alabama advancing as well. Well, I, I don't love the victimhood complex from Rick Pitino because like, dude, you, you bought strippers for your recruits. Like, I mean, come on. I don't know what you want from the NCAA. That's definitely not within the rules. So, but yeah, I, I have Michigan and Bama both advancing here. LSU St. Bonaventure. And I had the Bonnies advancing. Now the Bonnies play tough defense. Obviously not a great conference that they're in, but I have them playing, you know, very good defense. They score not as much as LSU, but this could be one of those eight nine deals where you know you you flip a coin. You know, there are some games where you just get a complete shootout, and there are some games where you get like a really grinder fifty to forty eight finish. I think this is a game that you really just don't know what's going to happen because St. Bonaventure, like you said, has great defense. They won the Atlantic Ten tournament, and the defense was what won it for them. Opposing teams are shooting under 40% from the field against them, and they allow 60 points per game. Defense LSU, travels. Hand, yeah, but here's the thing. LSU can just run. And oh, yeah. they run and gun, and they shoot, and they score a lot. They haven't played a ton of great competition. I think VCU is probably the best team that they beat, but they move the ball well, and they're a very athletic team, and they score. And so if... St. Bonaventure, who hasn't faced a team that's as, as athletic or can score like LSU, is overwhelmed by the LSU attack. Like, I think that LSU could run away with this one. I picked the Bonnies, but this is going to be a good one. The only way to, to slow down that attack is to, to make buckets. This way you can get back on defense. But if you're, if you're missing shots and they're getting outlets and, and getting out and running, it could be a long day for the Bonnies. But if they hit shots... That's going to slow down LSU's attack for sure. And there, here's one: the five twelve max Georgetown. I had to pick them. They were phenomenal, and they've been playing excellent basketball down the stretch. They've been playing. They've gotten hot at the right time. I guess you can call it. They were just lights out in the Big East tournament. Here's the thing, Dad: is that I didn't pick Georgetown, and I know that 
a lot of people are going to be picking Georgetown. This is a very trendy pick because they have that four-game winning streak. They just won the Big East tournament. But before the Big East tournament, they hadn't had a winning streak of more than two games all season long. And Colorado, unfortunately for them, is probably the best five seed in this tournament. So I, I really think it's difficult. Georgetown just doesn't have the caliber of players to compete with a team like Colorado. Colorado's beaten USC three times. They beat Oregon once, and Oregon's a, a really solid team. Not a one seed, but a solid team. Georgetown's best wins are over Creighton twice and Villanova once. Uh, can they do it? Yes, they definitely can do it. And, and they have the momentum, but I don't think that they've faced a team nearly as good as Colorado all season. So this is going to be a tough matchup for them. And I have Florida State advancing over UNC Greensboro. Yeah, I, I do too. I think Florida State's a really, really solid team. Uh, they could definitely make a deep run in the tournament. I could see them potentially knocking off Michigan later in the tournament if they get that far and Michigan gets that far. But Florida State is probably an underseeded four, I would say. Yeah, and th- the next one's a, a one of those play-in uh, six against 11, Michigan State or UCLA. And I have the 11, Michigan State or UCLA beating BYU in this game. Uh, So I have BYU winning this game, and I'm curious why you're taking UCLA or Michigan State, which, by the way, the fact that we have UCLA against Michigan State in the first round, I mean, the first four, and also Wisconsin, North Carolina in the first round in the same tournament is insane. Yeah, the first four has produced four Sweet 16 teams and one Final Four team. So I, I just thought that, you know, Michigan State has to figure it out sooner or later, or UCLA. I think one of those two teams, I, I think, A, this will be a very good team, but I think that both of those teams could make it to the Sweet 16. They can they definitely... definitely could. Can, I mean, they could make it. I the, just think BYU is a really, a really solid team. They hang, hunt, they hung with Gonzaga in the West, uh, West Coast Conference Finals. They didn't win the game, but they were winning at halftime, and I know halftime scores don't matter, but they also... Probably you you could make the case for them having both a top 25 offense and defense, and there aren't a ton of teams that are as well-rounded as that. That is true. They do play, you know, excellent, excellent defense. They only give up, you know, 68 points per game while they're scoring almost 80. So it was just one of those games that I decided to, you know, pick that way. The next one, Texas against Abilene Christian. Sorry, uh, I went with Texas. I don't think uh, there's any surprise there. And the UConn-Maryland game, Max, I, I went with UConn only because working in Hartford, I see them a ton. I hear Danny Hurley talk a lot. I think that he's got these guys playing really well. Yeah, UConn's really good. And I think it's possible that UConn is actually better than Texas. The only difference is that Texas plays in the Big 12 and UConn plays in the Big East. So the caliber of competition that each team has faced during the regular season, not exactly comparable. And, and Maryland is a very formidable opponent. Don't get me wrong. I said I picked every Big Ten team. I picked every Big Ten team except for Maryland to make it through. So I'm going with the Huskies here, and I think the Huskies could definitely make a deep run if they get past Maryland. I have them getting past Alabama and BYU. Uh, I have them in my Elite Eight facing off against Michigan. Wow. I have them in the Sweet 16 losing to Texas, and I have Michigan beating Texas. Yeah, and, and here's to- one thing that I'll say about this East region is that I think a lot of people are going to end up picking either Alabama or Texas or Florida State. I think the East region is going to be the region where 
most people don't pick the one seed. Illinois, Baylor, Gonzaga will probably be the most popular picks from the other regions. But over here, I think Michigan's going to be an unpopular pick. And that's part of why I went with them. Not only because I go there and I've watched this team. Uh, without Isaiah Livers, they're still good. Don't don't get me wrong here. I mean, they should have beaten Ohio State in that Big Ten tournament game. And that was with no Isaiah Livers. So right, that was a the, close game. It, it's almost becoming a trendy pick for people to not pick Michigan. And you have to keep in mind that if you want to win your bracket pool, you don't need to have every pick correct. You just have to have the most points. And you get the points from getting teams later in the tournament, but also by picking teams that other people don't pick. Because if everybody picks Gonzaga to win, you know, and there's 100 people in your bracket pool, you have a 1% chance of winning. I hope everyone picks Gonzaga because I didn't. (laughs) Right. But well, but that's what I'm saying. It's like if you pick teams that are not necessarily the most popular teams, but have a decent shot of winning, then you put yourself in a pretty good position to win should your team be successful. You know, like I said. If everybody picks Gonzaga to win, or half your bracket pool picks Gonzaga and you pick Gonzaga, you need to have a lot of other correct picks. Picking the champion, if it's an unconventional champion, is a really good way to win the bracket pool. And uh, if we go over to the Midwest region, I don't know if you have anything else to say about the East. I don't. But uh, the Midwest region is where I kind of went a little unconventional. I have Houston coming out of this region. Obviously, Houston and Illinois making it out of the first round. And then if we go to the 8-9 matchup, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia Tech. This is probably the best matchup uh, between eight, nine seeds in this tournament, I think. Loyola Chicago gives up. They play unbelievable defense again. Here's another team that plays very good defense, and they, they score. So you're talking about a Georgia Tech team that gives up you know, 70 points a game. Loyola Chicago's only given up 55. Yeah, Loyola Chicago has the best uh, adjusted defensive efficiency in the entire country. They average allowing only 86.7 points per 100 possessions that's insane i mean they're a really good team and teams that play defense like you said travel well and defense wins championships we've seen it time and time again uh loyola chicago i have beating georgia tech and georgia tech is also going to be missing one of their players i believe due to COVID issues uh for this game so i think that makes loyola chicago even more of a favorite the only problem is that they run into illinois in the next round and Loyola Chicago was a team that I really wanted to take deep into the tournament, but I don't think anybody is going to really take down Io DeSunmu or give him trouble in the first no. three rounds of the tournament. No, I, I agree with you about that. Tennessee, Oregon State, I went with Tennessee. Yeah, or Oregon State probably shouldn't have even had a place in this tournament. They ended up winning their conference tournament. Uh, they, they won the Pac-12 for the first time in school history, and they got an auto bid and shrank the bubble. Uh, They're probably the weakest 12 seed out there aside from Georgetown. So I think Tennessee is going to easily take this. Liberty, Oklahoma State. Uh, This is what I was talking about earlier with the best player on the floor. It's impossible to pick against these guys. Like Cade Cunningham is going to be a lottery pick, no question. I I took Oklahoma State. That makes sense. Um, San Diego State, Syracuse. And I, I picked Syracuse in this one only because... I expect Syracuse to win a game. It's Jim Bayham. He knows this tournament. He His defense can give you fits. And I just felt that Syracuse could pull off a win here. Yeah, I also picked Syracuse. And generally, I don't love picking against teams like Syracuse that are so hit or miss because, they, I mean, they always have such an athletic team. And the 2-3 defense is very stifling. But... 
they just can't shoot. Like, they've never really had shooters at this school. I mean, obviously, you know, Carmelo Anthony is great, but that was in 2003 or 2004. And they haven't really had any great shooters since then. Right. So without shooters, it's hard to win games. And Syracuse relies a lot on their defense and athleticism. And I pick them because I'm expecting that San Diego State is not really accustomed to beating a 2-3 zone. Not many teams are, and Syracuse does it better than anybody else. So West Virginia, Moorhead State, I went West Virginia. I don't think I there's any West Virginia sur- as well. no surprise yeah, I- there. Uh, the next one, though, Clemson-Rutgers, the 7-10-7 being Clemson-10-Rutgers. Now, I know you've seen Rutgers play a lot. Your thoughts on that game? I, I like Rutgers a lot, and they play in a really tough conference. I don't think Clemson is quite up to the caliber of most of the teams they face during the regular season. I mean, Rutgers had to face Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, who's not in the tournament but is a solid team, Michigan State, who is in the tournament, Maryland, all during the regular season. Right. I picked, I picked those, them as well. All those teams, yeah, all those teams except for Penn State are in the tournament. I just think that they are so ready for this moment by virtue of the fact that they've played big games before. They played big games all season. They're in the Big Ten. Who do you have out of that bracket making it to your Final Four? I picked Houston. I think Houston's going to take down Illinois. And honestly, this is just my bracket. This isn't necessarily what I think will happen. Uh, I picked Houston over Illinois because I think a lot of people are going to pick Illinois. And I think, you know, it's points for me if Houston ends up winning that. But Houston is also a really solid team. They're sixth in the country in Ken Palm ranking. They have a really good offense, a really good defense, and they don't really have any holes on the team, which is one of the things that you look for when you're looking to take uh, take teams far into the tournament. Uh, Kenton Grimes is a great shot-creating guard, and, you know, they're, they're kind of just a good overall squad. And Illinois is definitely better. But one game, anything can happen. I, I have Houston here. Right. I, I actually picked Illinois because in, in one, and I filled out a couple brackets. I'll, I'll be honest. I have Illinois winning it in one of my brackets. Uh, I've just watched them play. They're, I think, third in Ken Palm, and they're a really solid team. And out of all of my, all the number ones, Illinois and Syracuse are the only ones I have making it to the final four, and I have them making it to the final game. Do you mean Illinois and uh... Michigan? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Syracuse is a one. I'm sorry. One, one. <laughs> I, I meant Michigan. I have I have Illinois and Michigan making it to the final game. Uh, those are, you know, my only number ones that I have making it to the final four. I actually have Iowa in, in one bracket because I thought that maybe Luca Garza could pull off some magic. Yeah, I have three Big Ten teams in my final four, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, and Houston. Uh, in what I would say is the bracket that I'm most you know comfortable with that I spent the most time on. And uh, you definitely could make a case for four Big Ten teams, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, and Illinois. Uh, that would be not only pretty sick, but also just a huge middle finger to the rest of the country because it would just prove, I think, pretty unequivocally that the Big Ten is easily the best basketball conference in the country this year. And it has been for the last few years, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I, I have Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, and Houston, and then I have Iowa taking down Houston in the championship. Wow, it, that's interesting. Iowa winning it all that would be good for Luca Garza, but I, I just, I, it seems it's been a long time since the Big Ten has won a championship, and I think since I guess Michigan State was the last 
Big Ten team to win the championship. And it'll be interesting because the number one overall seed, in, and that is Gonzaga, in, since 2004 has only won this tournament three times. Yeah, that's true. But we've also not seen a team come into the tournament undefeated like Gonzaga is right now in a very long time. I think since Kentucky won it all in maybe it was 2012, I think. Uh, so that team, probably the best one seed of the last 10 or 15 years, uh, Gonzaga's up there with them. Right. But it's it's been a while since an undefeated team has won the whole thing also. So we'll see. It, it it's going to be a fun time. It'll be fun to have the tournament back. That's for for darn sure. And uh, baseball will be back very soon. And we have the NCAA tournament to look forward to. So a lot on the horizon. We have uh, still have you know NBA and NHL that are in action. We have football free agency, which is going strong. And now we have baseball about two weeks. I think opening day is about two weeks from today. And the NCAA tournament, well, the first four get started Thursday night, and the whole shoot match starts on Friday. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. It should be fun to watch, and honestly, I'm just really excited to tune in tonight and all day tomorrow and all day the next day and the next day and the next day. <laughs> uh, hear that song. I'm excited to hear that song again. Yes, indeed. This has been another episode of Podcast by Committee with Andrew and Max Brill. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever else you get your podcasts, we're there. And rate and review us on Apple while you're at it. It'll only take a couple seconds, so go on over there and give us five stars. If you want to connect with us, we're on Instagram at podcast underscore by underscore committee and Twitter at pod by committee, where you can reach out to us via email, posts at podcastbycommittee.com. Thanks again for listening to Podcast by Committee. Thanks to Mason Pettit for the introduction, Kevin McLeod for the music, and shout out to Hal Amarino-Field for the graphics. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe.